Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, we are starting a new series today called No Other Name. And we're going to be talking about some of the names of God in the Bible. And we're going to be talking about why the name of Jesus is the only name with the power to save. You see, a name tells us a lot about a person. Uh, A name tells us a lot about their character, their authority. Uh, The name that we call someone, it tells us a lot about the type of relationship that we have with them. And so when we look at some of the names of God, it tells us something about His character, tells us something about His authority, and it tells us something about the relationship we're invited into. Let let me just illustrate this by looking at some of the names that people call me. You see, if you call me Elsie, it means that you are a friend of mine from school. I had a whole lot of other people at school who weren't friends that called me other names that I won't repeat here this morning. But if you called me Elsie, you were a friend of mine at school, but not many people have called me that ever since school. If you call me Elsmore Smellsmore, you're a friend of mine, or you could actually be an enemy of mine, from primary school. Troy Hogan in grade three announced to the whole school that you might stink, but Ellsmore smells more than everybody else does. That name stuck through the whole of primary school and uh, thankfully didn't quite make it into high school. But the name that you call me reveals the relationship that we have. If you call me Jason Scott, you're my mum and I'm in big trouble And right now, if my mum is calling me that name, then I'm glad I'm in a different state and the Premier has closed the borders and she cannot exercise her authority over me. If you call me Jace, it might mean that you're a friend of mine or a work colleague that I know uh, quite well. And you call me Jace. If you call me Pastor Jason... It might mean that you belong to Gateway Baptist Church or you're visiting from another church and you have some respect for the position that I've been given and the authority that God has entrusted to me. If you call me Padre, it means that you played rugby with me in my 20s and you have absolutely no respect for the position that God has given me, but you find it mildly amusing that you're playing footy with a priest or a padre and there's no explaining that I could do to stop you calling me that name. If you call me Dad or Sarge, you are one of four people in this world. You're one of my four kids and I've never served in the army but apparently I sometimes exercise the authority in our house by barking orders like a drill sergeant so I'm dad or sarge and if you call me Jay Shan you might also be one of my four kids or you might be one of their many friends who have heard that name and now think it's funny to call us Jay Shan and Shushan. If you call me Jay, it means that you're a member of my family from Sydney or you 
grew up with me and very close to me and my family growing up and you call me Jay, or you could be my wife. As far as I know, she's the only person living in Queensland that still calls me Jay. If you call me Sweet Cheeks or Baby Cakes or Mr. Romance or Love Blossom, then you have never met me and I have no idea who you are. But my wife would love to meet you and to set you straight. You see, the the name that we call someone, it tells us something about their character, something about the authority that they've been given and something about the intimacy in the relationship that we have. You know, I'm one person, but I get called by different names. And it might surprise you that, you know, the, the one true God of the Bible actually has many names that he's called. And the names of God reveal his character, his authority, and the type of relationship that we're invited to have with him. Now, the two most common names that we see in the Old Testament are Elohim, or a variation of El, and Yahweh, or the Latinized version of Yahweh, Jehovah, that you might have heard more regularly. And Elohim is the first name that is used of God in the Bible. It's the first way that God is revealed. And the very name conveys power and might and supremacy. And so in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And Yahweh, it's a personal name. It's actually the proper name for a divine person in the Hebrew language. The verb means to exist or or to be. It is the God of all power and all might, Elohim, revealing himself to people, revealing himself to his creation that he created in a personal way, in a covenant relationship With people. And so over these next five weeks, we're going to look at some variations of these two names, Elohim and Yahweh, that reveal God's character and his authority and the kind of relationship that he invites us into. And I believe that through this series, God is going to minister to many of you. He is going to be revealing his character, drawing in you into a place of intimacy, reminding you of his authority. And those of you feeling alone or afraid or anxious right now, he's going to minister to you powerfully. And I believe that as he reveals himself as the unchanging, the eternal, the one true almighty God, he's going to show us that we can trust in his power in these unprecedented times. And the name that I really want us to look at today as we start this series is the name Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah means often translated the Lord and and provider, or or sorry, Jireh or Jireh. The, the, the root word means to see and the compound word means to provide. It's similar to our English word 
provision. Pro means before and vision means to see. And so when God is revealing himself as Jehovah Jireh, he is revealing himself as the God who has prevision for your provision. He is the God who sees what you need before you even know that you need it. He's the God who sees what you need and provides for you in every season. And the first time that God is ever revealed by this name, he's ever called this name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, is in Genesis chapter 22. And it's a pretty crazy story. I'm going to read it in just a minute. But but if we read this story simply through human eyes and without context of the whole Bible, it's a story of an out-of-control God and a crazy old man and a gullible son. But if we read this story through the eyes of God and through with a context of the whole Bible, then what we see in this story is a God who is revealed that has unparalleled love for his people. We see a man of great faith in God to provide. And we see a son who sacrificially lays down his life for his father. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. And as we read it, we're going to learn some important lessons in this story of how to relate to God in this season. There's two little words I want us just to see as we're reading this story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, I just want to pause there. Look at that word love. It's the first time that the word love is ever used in the Bible. Genesis chapter 22. It's important to understand the first time that the word love is used in the Bible. It's used to describe the love between a father and a son, which will become a really big narrative through this grand narrative. The first time the word love is used, it's used in the context of sacrifice. And it's used, you'll see in a minute, as a father having to surrender all in trust to God who will provide. He says, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'll show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up. One more little word I want you to see. And he saw. I want you to remember this for later. Abraham saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. 
And when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God has prevision for your provision. In every test, I want you to remember this, in every test, God will provide to make you stronger on the other side. He'll provide in every test to make you stronger on the other side of the test. Verse 1 here, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. It's good for us to know this was a test right from the start. And it's really important to know that no one else has been or ever will be tested in this way ever again. This is a test of Abraham's faith alone because God was going to bless the whole world through Abraham alone. It's good to know that this was always a test and it's important to know no one will ever be tested like this again. But we will and we do all face tests of our faith. I mean, who would say right now you're going through a testing time? The whole world is going through a testing time with COVID-19. This new virus strain He's causing sickness and death to so many. There's so much pain in the world right now. And please keep praying. I know that you're praying, church. Please keep praying for those who are suffering right now. But even for those who are not directly affected by this new virus strain, we're indirectly feeling pain. We're feeling the strain in other ways. You know, some of you right now would say, You're feeling the strain in your finances. You know, you've lost your job, you've lost some income, maybe you've lost some investments and you're feeling stretched to the limit and you're under strain and you're not sure how much further your finances will stretch. You're under strain and you're wondering, will God really provide? Some of you right now would say your family is under strain. Your family is getting stretched to to the limit. Four weeks ago, the thought of having your whole family home together sounded fun. But the thought of four more weeks, you're thinking by then you are going to sell one of your children on eBay and you're very soon going to trade your husband in for a bottle of hand sanitizer. Your family is getting stretched to the limit. And will God provide? And there'd be others of you today who would say your faith is under strain. You're trying to reconcile the goodness of God with this global pandemic. You're wondering how to pray. 
You know, some of you, you want to stand firm in your faith, but your faith is under strain. You're not sure how long you can persevere. You're getting tempted and tempted, and it's easier and easier just to give up because you're under strain. I want to encourage you today, and it might not sound like an encouragement at the beginning, but you know, every test that we face and every time we get under strain, it's actually one of the ways that God uses to bless us. It's one of the ways that God actually makes us stronger, grows spiritual muscles in our faith. If you don't believe it from this story, read from you know, Jesus' brother James who, who wrote this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God doesn't want you to lack anything in your faith. He wants to make you mature. He wants you to make you complete. He wants you to make wants to make your character more like Jesus. Now it's important to understand God never tempts you. All right? God never tempts you. There's nowhere in the Bible where God where God tempts us with evil because evil and sin destroys us. It's what the devil does. He tempts us. He distracts us from God. You know, temptation is internal. It's the devil stirring up our selfish nature within us, telling us just to please ourselves and take our eyes off God. It's never God that does that. God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. He he does test our faith because he wants to make us stronger. And where a temptation is internal, a test is always an external circumstance that we are walking through and God allows that circumstance. It's not that that, that God loves to bring bad things into our lives, but in this sinful fallen world, God, God uses those bad circumstances to produce something good in our lives. He wants to provide so that we're stronger on the other side. He has prevision for your provision. He, he saw this coming. He knew this test was coming. And he has provided for you. It's actually as you persevere in your faith in this season, under strain, that you'll grow spiritual muscles. You know, you know when, we, when we exercise our muscles physically, we actually strain our muscles. We stretch our, our muscles and as they recover, we grow stronger. And by all means, if you can find some exercise equipment in this season, exercise physically. But I want to encourage you today to exercise your faith spiritually. When you're under strain, persevere. Do not give up. God has what you need to persevere and to make you stronger on the other side. In this season, you are going to grow spiritual muscles. I'd love you just to jump in the chat right now and to encourage some of the other people in our church or joining us online from, uh, from somewhere around the world and just let some people know, what's God teaching you? How's God making you stronger? You know, what, what, what's God doing in your life in this season, in this testing time 
to actually produce something good in you to make you mature and complete. Jump on the chat and just let us know. Encourage somebody else today with what God is doing in you. God has prevision for your provision in every test. God will provide to make you stronger on the other side. And he has provided a pathway that leads to blessing. Let me just give a little bit more context to Abraham's story. Genesis chapter 12, Abraham comes from descendants worshipping many gods. He lives in a land worshipping many gods. The one true God turns up and says, I'll be your God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless you, make you into a nation. You're going to have descendants like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. And I'm going to bless the whole world through you. He says, now I want you to go to a land that I'm going to give to you. Now, the problem is Abraham and his wife, Sarah, have no children and they're old. But 25 years later, God provides miraculously. He gives them a son named Isaac. He is the provision for the promise of God. But now another 15 years later, 40 years since God called Abraham at least, we're not sure exactly, but at least 40 years later, here's God asking Abraham to sacrifice the son that he's provided to see the blessing become a reality. Look at how Abraham responds. In verse 3, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. What does he do? He immediately obeys. He immediately gets ready to make a sacrifice. He gets up early, he loads his donkey, took his servant, gets his only son that he loves, cuts the wood and he sets out on a journey to make a sacrifice. Now, God will never, as I said, will never ask this sacrifice again. But we are called to live sacrificially. We're called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, it says our our worship, good and proper worship, is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can test and approve what God's perfect and pleasing will is. We're called to be living sacrifices. You see, there's always been a pathway that leads to blessing and there still is a pathway that leads to blessing, but many won't go there because they're not willing to sacrificially obey God. You see, we find our way these days on a journey by obeying you know, an unknown person that lives inside our phone. We just type in our destination and the, uh, the magic person living inside our phone tells us the way to go. It's modern, it's convenient, and it's very impersonal. You know, when I argue with Mrs. GPS, I don't have to apologise later. When I yell at Mrs. GPS, when I don't like what she's saying to me, I don't have to beg for forgiveness later and reconcile my relationship with her later. I can stay angry at her as long as I like. It's modern, it's convenient, and it's very impersonal. Now, none of us these days, I don't think, 
would ever think when we're going on a journey somewhere would think of getting out the Refidex, the UBD, the Gregory's, the street directory, whatever you call it, whatever state that you come from, and passing it to your wife and asking her to give you directions. It is old-fashioned, it is inconvenient, and it is very, very personal. When you hand this over to Mrs. Ellsmore and you argue with her, I do have to apologise later. When I yell at Mrs. Ellsmore, I do have to beg for forgiveness later and work out how to reconcile our relationship. But if I actually obey what she says, as old-fashioned as this is, it works. It still gets you to where you're going. Now, I'm not suggesting today that anyone should give up this and turn back to this. I actually think this has saved many, many marriages and possibly my own. Don't turn back to this book. But what I would encourage you to do is to turn back to this book. And this book, this book is seen as old-fashioned, but it's timeless. This book is very inconvenient at times, what God asks us to do. And this book is intensely personal on every page all the time. I want to encourage you, turn back to this book because it's actually this book that is a roadmap. It's a pathway to blessing. You see, God has provision for your provision. He's, he's provided. He, he can see the roadmap. He can see the pathway. He knows how to bless you. He knew how to bless Abraham. He, he knows how to bless you. The problem is many people don't want to go in that direction. They don't want to obey the instructions because the pathway to blessing is sacrificial obedience to God. Let me remind you of just a few things that this book says. If you want God to bless your marriage... Ephesians 5 says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and lay down your life for her. Choose to love her. Choose to forgive her. Choose to serve her even when you don't feel like it. Choose to obey God before you feel blessed. It's the pathway to blessing. If you want God to bless your family, the next chapter says, don't exasperate your children, but, but train them in the Word of God. And there's never been a better time to actually train our kids in the Word of God in testing times, teaching kids how to trust God in this season. And our generations team have put together incredible family packs that are fun to build faith in families. Can I encourage you to download that today? And get, why don't you just jump on the chat right now, say thank you to our Gens team doing an incredible job. You want your family to get blessed? Don't exasperate your kids but train them in the Word of God. And kids, you want a blessed family, honour your father and mother so it may go well with you. You want God to bless your community, your neighbourhood? There's a pathway, there's a roadmap. Serve your neighbours. Go the extra mile. Put their needs before your own. Sacrifice for the sake of others. 
Such a joy again this week, you know, to see 180 people receive food packages throughout our community because of your sacrifices. You know, 150 people got, you know, fed, homeless people got fed in the city through our city campus uh, this week. You know, a whole bunch of uh, hygiene packages went out to homeless people throughout our city as people in our church made sacrifices to bless our community. You see, God does want to bless your marriage. God does want to bless your family. God does want to bless your neighbourhood. And he's given us a pathway, a roadmap to get there and it's sacrificial obedience to the word of God. Abraham would not have known the blessing of God if he had not been willing to sacrificially obey the word of God and you won't know the fullness of God's blessing in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your neighbourhood. If you're not willing to sacrificially obey his word. It is a pathway to blessing. He has provision for your provision. Well, how are you going to? How, how are you going to sacrificially obey to bless your spouse, your kids, your neighborhood this week? Be blessed to be a blessing. God has provision for your provision. He's provided for your greatest need before you even knew that you needed it. You know, sometimes we get our wants and our needs all mixed up. Some of you, I guarantee, jump on the chat and let us know if this is true. Some of you have said in the last few weeks, I need a manicure. I need a massage. I need a coffee. I need a new Netflix series. I need to get out of the house. I need a hug. I need a husband. I need a new husband. Or Susan would say, I need a husband with a haircut. I don't know what it is you said this week. I've said all of those things this week, except for the manicure and the husband bit. But sometimes we get our needs and our wants mixed up. The reality is we can live without those things. But what God did was he provided for what we couldn't live without. He actually provided for for the very thing that was causing us to die and miss out on knowing everlasting life and love of our Father in heaven. You see, he has provided for your greatest need before you even knew that you needed it. I just want to go back through just a few of these verses in this story and just highlight a couple of words that help us to see that God has prevision for your provision. He saw what you needed thousands of years before you knew that you needed it. Verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. The father placed a heavy load of wood upon his son and the son willingly carried it up the hill. Then in verse 7, Isaac says, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I kind of get the feeling that Isaac is getting nervous. He kind of sees everything for the offering, but he can't see a lamb. I don't know about you, but, but I find that 
God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes his provision comes at the last minute. He does provide, but it doesn't come quite as early as what we would like it to. In verse uh, 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And Abraham is a man of great faith. He, he believes that God will provide in some way, whether it's through you know, raising you know, Isaac from the dead, as it says in Hebrews, or whether it's providing a lamb as a substitute to save the life of his son. He has faith. He has faith that God will provide. In verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We see that the son willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice on top of the wood. He laid down his life as a sacrifice on top of the wood. And just at the last moment, as Abraham was about to slay his son, his one and only son whom he loved, God cries out from heaven. He shouts from heaven, Abraham, no, no, no. And then this is what Abraham sees. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We need to understand that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, this story, 400 years after it actually happened. For 400 years, Abraham's descendants had been slaves in, in Egypt. They had, had lived through plagues and diseases and testing times. And yet they still believed. They still kept stories, telling the story that on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Which mountain? The mountain in the region of Moriah. A mountain that it tells us later in this story that God built a temple there for Abraham's descendants to sacrifice animals in worship to him. God had chosen a people where, where all the world had sinned and, and separated themselves from God. God came to earth. He revealed himself as Yahweh and he chose a people and he chose a place to build a temple where as people sacrificed innocent animals, substitutes in place of their sin, he, he would accept that animal as a sacrifice and he would save them by their faith, by their worship, by their obedience, and he would be present with them. And for hundreds of years on this mountain that Abraham was talking about hundreds of years earlier, Year after year, sacrifices were made for the sins of the people. And then one day, another son walked up that very same mountain. 
And that one and only son who was loved by his father had committed no sin. He he did not deserve to be a sacrifice. But a heavy load of wood was placed on his shoulders. And when he got to the top of that mountain, he was laid down upon that wood. And yet this time, as he was bound to that wood with nails through his his hands and his feet, the father did not say no. The father did not produce a substitute like he had for hundreds of years in the temple worship for the people of Israel. He did not produce a substitute. He did not produce a a, a lamb that, that would be substituted in the place of Isaac the son. But this son who walked up this same mountain and was laid upon that wood was lifted up on a cross and he became the lamb that died to take away the sins of the world. And so Moses wrote way, way back in the book of Genesis, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. But what we now know is that on the mountain of the Lord, it has been provided because that son, as he hung there on that cross, as he breathed his last, his last words were, it is finished. There is no more sacrifices required for sin. It's done. What once separated people from the everlasting love of a heavenly father has been put to death. It's been done away with. And you might ask today, you know, how does the death of one son save all people in the world from their sins? Well, Abraham's descendants asked that same question hundreds of years later of that son, right before he made that sacrifice on the cross. And this is what he said in John chapter 8. And remember, remember verse 3 of Genesis chapter 22. Abraham saw something. He saw something in the place. And this is what the son said when he was questioned about how can you forgive our sins. How can you take away the sins of the world? He said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Way back. He saw it and he was glad. God showed him because God had provision for your provision. They said, you're not 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. This son was no ordinary son. He was I am. He was Yahweh. He was Jehovah Jireh. The God who created heaven and earth came to earth to relate personally to his creation. You see, it was because he was fully God. 
He, he was the Son of God and He knew no sin. He had no sinful nature because He was born of a virgin that He could be the perfect substitute for our sin. And, and it's because He was one of Abraham's descendants. He was just like us. And He suffered in a human body that He could take your place and He could take my place on the cross as a sacrifice for all of our sins. That Son's name is Jesus. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah. He is the great I Am. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. There is no other name that can save you from your sin because there is no other God who came to earth to die in place of your sin. He's the only one. It's the only name that has that authority to save you from your sin, to make you right with God. You might want a manicure. You might want a coffee. You, you might want a break from your house. You might want a hug. You might want a husband. But what you really need is someone to save you from sin and death and give you everlasting love and life. See, we have a God who had prevision for your provision. And He will provide future blessings that far outweigh the present cost of following Him. Let me just finish this story in Genesis chapter 22. It says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I'll surely bless you and I'll make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Because Abraham sacrificially obeyed God, the whole world got blessed, you got blessed, I got blessed. You see, you can never outgive God. You know, if we read this story through human eyes, it's the story of an out of control God, a crazy old man and a gullible son. But when we read this story through the eyes of God, a God of love, a God who reveals Himself as a God of love, a loving Father who loves His Son and loves us so much that He would willingly sacrifice His Son. What we see in this story is a God of unparalleled love for His people, for you. What we see in this story is a Son who would sacrifice His life to save you from your sin. And what we see in this story is a simple man of faith in that God who trusted God to provide. My question for you today is, will you call God Jehovah Jireh, my provider? Will you trust God to provide in this season? You see, our God is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's able to take five loaves and two fish and multiply to feed 5,000. We're seeing it around our city as people sacrifice, people are being fed. 
He's able to take, you know, uh, five gallons of water and, and, and turn it into top shelf wine. And as Baptists, we're not doing much of that at the moment. We probably never will. But He's a God who provides miraculously. And He's a God who clothes the lilies of the field. And He feeds the birds of the air. And He says, I care for you much more than I care for them. He says, how much more will I provide for you? So seek first my righteousness, seek first my kingdom, obey me as king, and all these other things will be added unto you as well. Do you trust God to provide in this season? Is He your Jehovah Jireh? Romans 8, 32, it says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things, all things. God saw our greatest need and He provided for you. As we look to the cross today, we see the love of God poured out for us, the provision of God poured out for us. We, we see a God who loves to provide for His people. We see a God who has prevision for your provision. Even in this testing time, He's making you stronger. He's calling you to sacrifice even if you don't feel blessed right now. But it's a pathway that leads to blessing. What do you call God today? What's your name for God? Maybe you're listening today and you've only ever you know, thought of God as the big guy upstairs or maybe you've only ever kind of used God in you know, swearing or you know, kind of in, under pressure. Maybe you've thought about God as being almighty and all-powerful, but you've never considered Him to be personal. You actually don't know what it's like to talk to God like a loving Father because you've never put your faith in the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus, on the cross. And there is no other name that can save us from our sin and, and make us right with God because there's no other God who came to earth to save us. He didn't just shout His good news from heaven, but He turned up on earth and He showed us what love looked like. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you don't know a personal relationship with your Father in heaven, and today you'd say, I want to put my faith in Jesus and what He's done for me on the cross. You want to thank Him for His sacrifice that gives you life. And you want to choose today to follow His roadmap. You, you want to follow His ways and know the blessing of God in your life. I'd love to leave you, lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray right now and you can just pray uh, along with me. And as you finish praying that prayer, just push that button today that just says, today I've decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to get in touch with you and just help you in that relationship. But if that's you today, just pray with me right now. It's in the quietness of your own heart. Dear God, I thank You that You've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against You. I thank You for sending Your Son as a sacrifice for my sins. And I ask You to forgive me today. And today I choose to follow You as my Lord and Saviour from now on. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, come on, just all over the world right now, get in the chat. Just uh, 
shout and celebrate along, push a love heart with all of heaven, just celebrating as people putting their faith in Jesus today. Make sure you push that button and then just fill in that little uh, connect card afterwards and let us know how we can get in touch with you and encourage you to keep growing in your relationship with God. I'd love to pray for you today. I'd love to pray for you if, as you're walking through this testing time. You're saying, God, I want to persevere in my faith. I want to be stronger on the other side. I want to grow some spiritual muscles. And I'm willing, I'm willing because you love me so much, I'm willing to sacrificially obey your word in my marriage, in my family, in my neighbourhood, in my relationships. Right now you'd say it's a testing time. I need God to provide. Just put your hands out wherever you are. I'd love to pray for you, that God would give you strength, that God would give you wisdom, that God would give you perseverance. Let me pray for you today. Father God, I just thank you for every person just putting their faith in you as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God, you know the tests that we're walking through. God, you know the pain that we're dealing with. God, I pray that you would be very present with people right now. And in this season, they would reach out to you. When the devil tempts them to to give up and to get distracted, they would rest in your grace. They would rest in your peace. They would exercise your faith. They They would turn to your Word and receive strength and wisdom to carry on, to make the sacrifice and to know your blessing in their lives. And God, I pray that you pour out pour out blessing today. Financial blessing, relational blessing, physical blessing. God, would you bless your people today in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to finish today by looking to the cross. When I survey the cross, as you look to the cross today, receive His love, receive His grace, receive His strength. Thanks, guys.
if you ever wonder how God feels about you, if you ever have any doubts about how God feels about you, just look to the cross. Remember the cross where the Son of God sacrificed his life for you so that your sins could be forgiven and you could know the love of your Father in heaven for all eternity. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Look to the cross this week. Really encourage you in just a moment, jump on Facebook Live in your campus and have a listen to your campus pastor, connect with a bunch of people in your campus and make sure you're back next week, 8, 10 and 6 for Gateway Online. If you've got uh, some time tonight, you want to uh, worship again tonight, join us at 6 o'clock. From this week, we've got a brand new 6 p.m. service. Uh, different worship team, different preaching series. It's going to be uh, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to joining uh, myself and just seeing what God does through our 6 p.m. service. Thanks for joining us again today. Uh, see you again on Gateway Online. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.